Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Your LA Galaxy are on the eve of playing their second and final leg in the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinals away at Santos Laguna, and they are only days away from starting the 2016 MLS season against DC United. And to get us started, we'll discuss the LA Galaxy's most recent roster moves, take a short look at the game with Santos, and we'll take a bigger look at what the LA Galaxy's offseason has done and what it might mean for 2016. Joining me to help me out is MLSsoccer.com Scott French. So don't go anywhere. Corner of the Galaxy from the box starts right now on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Now here's your host, Josh Gessner. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Just a uh, mere hours, really, away from the LA Galaxy kicking off against Santos Laguna in the uh, last game or the second leg of the quarterfinals for the LA Galaxy. We can talk about that here in just a little bit. A lot to talk about as far as the LA Galaxy making roster moves as well. And then, of course, the LA Galaxy will open up MLS season play for 2016 on Sunday, March 6th against DC United as well. So we've got a bunch to talk about and to help me do that as somebody who is on the show a bunch, someone who's very knowledgeable about the LA Galaxy. He's at all the games. He goes to training all the time. You know him very well. Welcome back to the show, my good friend, Mr. Scott French. Scott, how's it going? I'm doing well, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Scott, before we even go even a little bit into the LA Galaxy, I know I told everybody we're going to run right into that, but um, for people that don't know, you are what I would call a movie buff. Um, you've seen, I don't know how many movies, in, well, how many movies did you see last year? Just rough numbers. Well, if you include like uh, movies that are, are back in, uh, you know, older movies right. that have come back to theaters and so far, I probably saw somewhere around 450. 450 movies. So, so needless to say, you see some movies. So I wanted to get your quick take on the Oscars. Obviously, everybody's still a little tired from last night staying up and watching. At least I am. Um, so I wanted your quick take on the Oscars because you always have a different perspective than everybody else. So I will give you your, your one-minute recap. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I thought that uh, I, I was happy that Spotlight won. I thought it was the best of the Best Picture nominations. Um, I was happy that uh, Leo DiCaprio won. I thought he was the best actor that was nominated. And I thought uh, the Oscars at Mad Max won were, were all really deserved. Um, my big thing is I'm really more of an art film fan. In fact, I'm, a, I'm an art film snob. So for me, if I had been nominating the movies, they would have been entirely different movies. Right. Uh, most of which, you know, most of the people out there have, have not just not seen, but not heard of. Um, so, 
you know, that, that's where I come from. The, 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 the award that I was most interested in really was uh, the foreign language film because I thought that the four of the movies were better than really anything that was nominated for Best Picture. Right. Um, although I thought Spotlight and Revenant were right there with those four. Uh, Son of Saul won that award, and I thought it was an outstanding movie, but I really wanted a war to win. And uh, the movie that I loved the most from last year was nominated there, and that was Mustang. But uh, all in all, I thought it was the awards were, were pretty good. I mean, there's been a lot of Oscars where you're just – sitting there throwing stuff at the TV, wondering what it is that they're thinking. There, there you go. All right. So there's your quick Oscars recap for all of you film buffs. At uh, Scott J. French on Twitter, if you ever want to have a film discussion with Scott, he will welcome it. I guarantee it because he welcomes it anytime in the press box. So please uh, go out there and, and, and stir him up a little bit. That's what I ask. All right. We, we transition now, Scott, into the L.A. Galaxy. I want to first hit on the news that broke about oh, a couple hours before we recorded this. On a Monday night, the L.A. Galaxy released Dan Gargan and Nacho Maganta. One of these things probably makes a lot of sense and is very easily explained. One of these things gets you starting to scratch your head a little bit. What did you think about the release of uh, both of these players? Well, it, it didn't surprise me a whole lot that Dan got released. I, I like Gargan a lot. I, he's a really bright guy. He's a really good guy. And I think that he's a, a really good uh, defender off the bench because he can play a number of different places. But with what the Galaxy did during the offseason and what they've done in building depth around their back line, he was superfluous. And so that, that move didn't surprise me. Maganto surprised me a little bit because we saw some really good things from him last year. Um, and I think that he's a, a player who has a lot of skill and also has a pretty good football brain. Um, right. But he, we stopped seeing him in the middle of preseason, and, and he wasn't around anymore. And it, it got us wondering, what's up with Nacho? And that one surprised me a little bit. But if, uh, if the rumors we're hearing are true, it makes more sense than, than, than it seems to make, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's lots of things to sort of put into this, Scott, and I, I think you and I touched on them a little bit before we started recording just to sort of get to wrap our heads around it. And this is what we do in the press box, by the way. Whenever we see something that doesn't make sense, we start talking to each other until hopefully we either talk ourselves into sense or realize it doesn't make any sense, and that's just the way it's going to be. But um, for the LA Galaxy um, you know, and, and Nacho Maganta, there's, there's a couple things that sort of make it interesting. One is it looks like, obviously, Nacho Maganto takes up an international spot. That's sort of a... A spotlight. Either the LA Galaxy have too many uh, internationals right now, which I've asked the question of the LA Galaxy. I haven't gotten a response yet as as I'm recording, and I will update on the website if I do get a response. So either the LA Galaxy had too many international spots and they needed to cut one in order to be roster compliant, or perhaps the LA Galaxy have some international in mind to bring in. Now, Kevin Baxter's reporting right now, as, as we were saying, is that there's another move that's supposed to happen before Sunday and the LA Galaxy kicking off uh, against DC United. Don't know whether that move is in or out, but that's sort of that, that's sort of where we sit with knowledge of, of what's going on. It's just, it's interesting, Scott, like you said, there, there seems to be more from a young player like Maganto than, you know, an older player, a 33-year-old player like Dan Gargan. The depth issues for defense were a lot more prevalent with Gargan and his age and how much money he was making. All that stuff sort of makes sense, but Maganto sort of runs the other direction. He's not making a ton of money. Um, he's a young player and, like you said, has shown some you know, flashes, I, I, I guess we'd say. So, so that sort of puts it in a, in a different perspective. So where do the LA Galaxy stand as far as roster compliance right now, Scott? We were, I think we were talking beforehand. Yeah, with, uh, with 28 being the new max, with, uh, with 
dropping these two. They have now 26 on the roster, plus draft pick Josh Turnley in camp. They have not signed Turnley, or if they have, they haven't indicated that they've done so yet. But uh, if they are going to sign Turnley, and, and he hasn't looked bad in, uh, in the games that we've seen him in, that would bring him up to 27, and that would lead one more spot. Yeah, so so you look at that and and how that goes. One more spot, and everybody wants to know. Well, who are the Galaxy bringing in? And if you look at international spots, I mean, you know, the the possibilities are sort of endless. I tend to think it's going to be a lot more simple than that, Scott. I, I think the LA Galaxy are going to look down to LA Galaxy two and a player who's been training with them all through the preseason, which is Ariel Lassiter, but also somebody who Bruce Arena had some strong opinions on it before. What did Bruce Arena say earlier in the year about Ariel Lassiter? Well, when we started preseason, that was one of the questions I asked him right off because Ariel Lasseter had a sensational year with Galaxy 2 last year. And here's a kid that everybody is really high on. And all you got to do is listen to some of the stuff Kurt Anolfo said about him last year, that, you know, they could see this guy being a star. Um, Bruce said that he felt that he, that Ariel had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of distance still to go in his development, that he's not there yet. And I think that's fair. We, we saw that in some of the preseason games where sometimes his decision-making wasn't the right decision. Um, but that talent is incredible, and you gain that decision-making the more games you play. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Right. He's, the, he's the son of Roy Lasseter, who was a phenomenal goal scorer in this league and also a player who's very wise about the game. And I, I talked to Roy a couple of times last year about Ariel. And, uh, and Roy's feeling is, hey, unquestionably, Ari is going to be a better player than I am. <laughs> he can do more. He's, he's more multifaceted. Roy Lasseter was a, a very fast scorer. His job was to get the ball in the final third and put it in the net. Ari can do a lot more than that. Ari can create. He can score. He can play in a number of different positions. Um, he's a player that Costa Rica, which is, which is who he, he wants to play national team with Costa Rica, that's where his mother is from. He was born in Costa Rica. And uh, Costa Rica thinks that he could be one of the biggest stars to play for them. So here's a kid with a, a huge upside, and, and they may feel that, you know, it's time to get him in with this team, to get him more reps with this team. He can still go down and play Galaxy 2 games but it's time to make the move. I, that would not surprise me in the least. Yeah, it, it's sort of the move that connects the most dots. It sort of makes the most sense. Um, I don't know if we've answered the international spot with him because I believe he also has, um, you know, residence. Yeah, he's also a U.S. citizen. So. Yeah, yeah. so he's also a U.S. citizen. He has that going for him. So that doesn't solve the international conundrum, but it makes the most sense. The LA Galaxy also look like, at least as Scott and I have been talking, it looks like the most obvious answer is to, to sign Josh Turnley, um, at least put him on this team. Now, if you're not going to do that, it opens up another spot, and then you know a whole other things sort of go out the window as well. So it's something to keep an eye on. Those are the things you want to sort of watch and how um, how the how the bricks sort of lay out as, as we go forward here for the LA Galaxy. So just wanted to touch quickly on that uh, before we get into Concacaf Champions League and what we sort of saw from last week's game and and really what Scott you think are the LA Galaxy's chances here going forward. We know the LA Galaxy have some positive outcomes that can happen here. They can win outright, Scott. They can they can draw anything greater than than 0-0 as far as 1-1 or 2-2. Any of those things could happen and and the results will go the LA Galaxy's way. But um, Torreon is, is a difficult place to play at. Um, they're going to be ready to go. Uh, Santos Laguna is going to be. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. 
It is. And, uh, you know, the Galaxy played so well defensively uh, last week. You could see the last half hour that their legs were, were starting to go away. You know, this is a team that's still in preseason against a, a team that, well, as of this past week, and now has played eight league games already. So Santos right. is, is in midseason form. And, uh, and, and they were unfortunate not to, not to get more out of the pressure that they put on in that last half hour. But the Galaxy really hurt themselves, I think, in those first oh, 15 minutes. They had four legitimate goal-scoring chances really should have put that first one away when uh, when the keeper made just a, a phenomenal save on Yella Van Damme and the rebound goes between Robbie Keane's legs over at the right post. If uh, if Robbie's legs are in a different spot, it's one nothing, and a one nothing uh, advantage is so much better to be taking into Torreon than, than 0-0. But, you know, they, going into this, they, they are the MLS team that is in the best shape score-wise heading into the second leg. But the way this competition is set up, you know, playing the, the knockout round games at this time of year, it's set up so that the Mexicans will succeed and MLS won't. I don't think it's necessarily designed that way. It's just that's right. the way the timing plays out. So the Galaxy are an underdog. Yeah, 1-1 uh, sends them through. 0-0 sends them to overtime. But by all... You know, by all measures, this is a game Santos should win at home. And the Galaxy are going to have to play as well as they did defensively, maybe better. And they need to come up with something offensive. And uh, I think they're capable of both. But, you know, we'll see what Galaxy team shows up tomorrow night. Well, see, that's sort of the thing I wanted to touch on. We looked at the preseason game, at least the games we were able to see. I know, Scott, you were able to see all of them. So I will sort of put a little caveat on this. But the LA Galaxy have had difficulty scoring. Um, that's one of the things that had happened. You saw it again uh, against Santos Laguna is that they, they sort of struggled to create that offense. Granted, like you said, they had four excellent opportunities. They actually did create some offense. They just didn't finish them. Um, are you worried that that's a trend that is continuing for the LA Galaxy here is that they're not scoring and they're not necessarily creating the best chances. No, you know, it, it, it's something that I don't think is an issue. It's it, but it might be an issue right now. And, and this is because scoring goals, putting it together in the final third, that's the last piece of the puzzle as you're going through preseason. It's the toughest thing to do in the game. Mm -hmm. It requires chemistry and Galaxy are still working on chemistry. Uh, you know, we, we saw Giovanni, uh, playing it forward with Robbie Keane uh, against Santos. Gio was on the right flank the entire way. It was Zardes and McGee and Gordon who were up at forward with, with Keane, depending on you know what the lineup uh, required at that moment. Um, it's going to come, and with a, a goal scorer like Robbie Keane, you know he's going to get his goals. The question is, are they going to get their goals you know, in, in February and the beginning of March? I mean, it's something that, that could hurt them now just because it's about chemistry. And you need to develop that chemistry, and that happens in preseason. And there's still, regardless of when the, that first game was and when the first league game is, it's something they're still in the middle of. Yep. It's going to take some time to get those connections. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So that's what's happening. The LA Galaxy face off against Santos Laguna uh, Tuesday, so probably as you're listening to this podcast. Uh, Tuesday, March 1st, 7 p.m. Pacific time. This is at Santos Laguna and Estadio Corona, uh, broadcast on Fox Sports 2, FS2. Find that channel if you can't. Uh, some viewing parties are around. Go on Twitter. Uh, go on Facebook. You can find some of those viewing parties as well. I wanted to touch, Scott, before we sort of uh, uh, separate here and, and go our own ways, is... Uh, 
What do you think this the LA Galaxy have accomplished in the offseason? Would you consider it a very successful offseason from sort of all the major moves that happened in the and the turmoil and the, and everything that was sort of created with the uh with the trades or the excuse me the transfers of Juninho and Omar Gonzalez? Well, I think that it depends on on how you're looking at the preseason and what you know what uh what criteria you're using to judge it. Because on the field, I think they were hit and miss. No surprise, it's preseason. Right. But the biggest thing is that they're bringing in players. And, and you know, you look at Ashley Cole, Yella Van Dam, and uh, Nigel De Jong. And these are guys who weren't here for the entire preseason. They, they only arrived for the last couple of weeks of preseason, especially De Jong. So it takes time for them to get in there and really kind of get a feel for it. But we saw, especially Van Dam, look spectacular during, during uh, preseason. I think that he is an upgrade on Omar Gonzalez. I think that he's has a has the capability of being the dominant center back in MLS this season. Um, he's got he's got a lot better quickness and speed than you would think for a man of his size, and right. that shouldn't be a surprise. He's also played at left back and he's played in midfield. He's uh, he's dominant in the air, but the way he was winning headers at midfield against Santos, I, I was impressed by that, and that he he's always seems to be in the right position. And so if you have him and A.J. De La Garza teaming together, which I think is the best tandem for them at center back, yep. that could be a really productive center back tandem. You've got Ashley Cole, who's sure he's past his prime. Maybe he wouldn't be getting the kind of minutes he's going to get with the Galaxy if he were still playing in England. Mm-hmm. But the guy has, has great skill, and he's got really good instincts. And with the players that are going to be around him, uh, I think he's really going to – to play a role in the kind of possession game that the Galaxy play as, as they go wide in, in that possession game. And Robbie Rogers, once he gets used to being on the right side, and, and he, is, uh, he is finding that the transition is a little more difficult than he thought it might be, but once he gets that down, th- this really could be one of the best back lines the Galaxy have had. But for me, the key player for this team is going to be De Jong. Yep. And I think we've seen just in the few games he's been here, and he's not completely dialed in in terms of chemistry and all that, but this guy is going to be huge for them. It's the first real number six they've had. I want to say since they had Dima Kovalenko, but Dima Kovalenko wasn't a first choice guy for the Galaxy. He was coming off the bench. Janino wasn't a pure number six. Uh, it's, it's a guy who really understands his position. And with, with Stevie Gerrard right in front of him, I, I, you know, I don't care that they're 31 and 35 and that Stevie's going to be 36, uh, before too long. Right. These are guys who understand what they're doing, have the skill and ability, and this could be just one of the best center midfield tandems we've ever seen in MLS. Yeah, I mean, you look at that and you stack it up with, you know, a really good defense or at least what the, the makings of what looks to be a really solid defense. And I, I agree with you on all points. Unfortunately, for this podcast, I agree with you on, on almost all of this. Um, it would be a lot better if I could yell and scream at you. But, you know, uh, Van Dam has been excellent so far in preseason. Really everything that the L.A. Galaxy could have asked for and more. I agree with you on Omar um, being a, a probably a plus over Omar Gonzalez in that particular position. Uh, A.J. De La Garza and, and Yellow Van Dam have played approximately 90 minutes together Scott and yes. and you saw the chem- and you saw chemistry between them they understood yes. both I think that comes from both being really smart players um and and understanding where each other needs to be and there was you know relatively little issue with them for their first 90 minutes ever playing so that was great uh De Jong I, I here's my thing with De Jong is that I see him and I watch him play during the 90 minutes really I've been able to see him play 
um, in a competitive match. And I see the way his brain works and just his discipline in knowing that he is that defensive mid. And everybody goes, well, no, really, Josh? Nigel DeYoung is a defensive midfielder? It's like, yeah, yeah, he is. But you, you have to understand that you know, having not seen that on LA Galaxy teams, you see DeYoung and you see what he's able to accomplish and just his his ability to know when to go forward, and he does, know when to press, he does, but also the ability to know that it's his job to sort of stop those counters, and you saw that against Santos Laguna. They wanted nothing to do with him, tried to tried to go outside as quickly as possible because he was always there. So all those things are great, and I, I think this is going to be interesting again for the game down in Santos. It's about whether or not we can find some cohesiveness with the offense. Um, whether the LA Galaxy can do that is a big question, um, and that will probably, in my case, in my opinion, be sort of the determining factor. So all interesting stuff. Scott, is there anything else you want to say about this L.A. Galaxy team before uh, before I let you go and, and we get on out of here? Well, you know, I think that this could be one of... Yeah, I think on paper, this is the most talented Galaxy team we've had. Just in that, you've got four, four players who are truly world-class. Right. Uh, they may be on the other side of 30 and may not be in their primes, but they, these are guys with world-class ability. And then you have a few more guys who are very, very, very good. But it's going to be about managing minutes and managing the roster. And so it's going to require Bruce Arena's, I think, best season because there are so many key guys who are over 30. And it's going to be about managing how those guys get their rest, uh, how, you, uh, how you get the, the depth players, get them time so that they're at their best. And right. if Bruce can do that, and, hey, this is what Bruce does best, the Galaxy – really should be in the hunt for another MLS Cup championship. And if they struggle with that, it could go very, very wrong. It could go wrong, way sideways. Best team ever, worst team ever. There's a fine line in between there somewhere for this LA Galaxy team, which is going to be well, interesting I don't, to talk I, about. I don't know that they could be the worst team ever because, you know, 2008 wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it's, it's still in my memory, Scott. That was my first year as a season ticket holder, all right? 2008. So I came in on the hey, bottom. Hey, that was a sexy football team. <laughs> Indeed it was. Indeed it was. All right, if you're looking for Scott, it's at Scott J. French on Twitter, MLSsoccer.com, where you can find all of his writing. Scott follows the LA Galaxy a whole bunch, so please check out his stuff. Scott, as always, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it, buddy. Oh, always nice being on, Josh. You take care. All right, you too. All right, that does it for Scott French. Guess what? That does it for me as well. I'm done for this night as well. Uh, Adam Serrano is down in Mexico covering the LA Galaxy versus Santos Laguna. So he'll be back next week, so don't go anywhere. You're going to want to catch that. Another live show coming up on Thursday night. Thursday night, a live show, Corner of the Galaxy, coming to you live on cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find that, cornerofthegalaxy.com forward slash live. We'll take your calls. We'll discuss everything. We'll discuss the results of the CCL game, and we'll look forward to the LA Galaxy season opener on March 6th against DC United. Sean Franklin, Marcelo Sarvas, Kofi Apare. They say it feels like every player who's ever played for the Galaxy now plays for DC United, so it'll be great to have them in town as well. All right, so that does it for me on this one. A little short, quick podcast for you. I want to thank Scott French once again for coming on. Some great insights from him. Other than that, that does it. I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com, and I will catch you next time. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to itunes stitcher and facebook by searching for corner of the galaxy and for all of your independent la galaxy news discussion and entertainment including this podcast 
Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Corner of the Galaxy and its related podcasts are part of Backheel.com. Backheel.com is a collection of soccer podcasts and multimedia offerings covering soccer around the world. You can follow them at Backheel.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.